0: What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's the whole crew. Summer League basketball rolls on. The Memphis Grizzlies finish the Utah Summer League 2-1 along with like, everybody in Utah went 2-1 and one except for the Jazz, and they didn't win a single game. You love to see it. I, I have to point this out, though, because Isaac was hating on my guy, Jared Butler, the other night, and Jared Butler was not super efficient tonight, but he was the leading scorer in this game, and out of everybody on this Utah roster, he may be the only NBA-level talent. Can you at least give him that after this showing tonight, Isaac? Are you going to continue? Who, 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 who did you say? Jared Butler.
1: I mean, I, I, mean, I didn't say that. I'm just – what I said that, I meant there's nobody on that team that's really done anything in the NBA. Like, I didn't say that there were not any NBA talents on that team. I just said nobody okay. – on right. that team, really played in minutes. Like, you got Zaire with the Grizzlies and Xavier Tillman. They don't really have anybody on that team that's really done anything in record season. I mean, mm-hmm. he's played – I think he averaged three points, but I don't even know how many games he's played in. Uh, but I, that's what I meant when I said that.
0: I, I guess we're going full on Disney. We ain't going to talk about Bruno because Bruno played some NBA minutes. He may, he played some NBA NBA minutes for <laughs> Memphis. We We don't talk about Bruno on the Grizzlies podcast. Is that what it is?
1: Man, two years away from being two years away, man. Looks like he might <laughs> might be there uh, on the summer league level at least. But he he looked good out there tonight in the first half, man. He was giving Grizzlies all kind of problems out there, man. And knocking down corner threes, just doing all kind of stuff out there. Athletic. Uh, so I mean, he's. I remember uh, like
0: the first time I seen that dude. He, his haircut, like he had the same cut as Giannis, and and I walk out there and I knew, like I knew it wasn't Giannis, but like he he's the the tall lanky frame. And I'm like, man, the Memphis Grizzlies got baby Giannis out here. What is going on? <laughs> and then yeah, like it wasn't That's even close. Funny. I I yeah, I, I'm like, you you see him he shows flashes, but he's never able to link the yeah. flashes together. It's it's unfortunate for him. Candace, I you chimed in a little bit there. I hadn't even tossed it to you yet. How are you doing tonight?
2: Oh, I'm I'm uh I think I'm calming my nerves down just from the roller coaster that was that Grizzlies game, but it was, it was interesting to say the least.
0: Yeah, a lot of um, ups and downs, a lot of uh, sizable Spain hate from all you guys. I see you out there, Grizz Nation, hating on my guy. And he did have a much better second half after struggling. Like, he looked like he didn't even belong on the floor in the first half. The second half went much better for him. But I do, I do have a question. My box score shows that he had seven personal fouls. Does Does anybody else, like, does your
2: show that? that? That is correct. He he had seven. Surprised it wasn't ten. Yes, he had seven. Yeah. They, don't,
0: they don't foul out in the summer league. No, you no, got you get, get ten fouls. You
2: get 10,
1: ten in the summer league. Yeah. Oh,
0: I didn't even know. That is yeah, you get 10. nuts. That's insane. I thought that was a typo. I'm like <laughs> no.
1: no man, he yeah, because I remember when they said he he had five and I was like, and I think I can't remember who there was. Somebody on, on Twitter was saying, man, like, he's about to foul out. And I was like, No, nah, man, you get ten, man, he's only halfway there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Hey, you got them. You might as well use them, I guess. So that's a uh, – I, I can't say you put them to good use, though. Six turnovers from him. He, in the night, 14 points, eight rebounds. The six turnovers, seven personal fouls, negative six. But a lot of positives in this game, man. Kenny Chandler late in the game, he had a, a move to the basket where he hit that kind of, you know, right-hand extension layup, very Ja Morant-esque. And I was like, ooh, I like it. You know, his, his shot looked good tonight. Two for four from ten. A lot of good stuff from him. Laravia had some defensive flashes out there. Uh, there was one specifically he was getting back. It was a fast break and uh quick hands. He was able to uh to break it up, and then it led to a basket going the other way for the Grizzlies. Uh Zyra Williams coming up with a Brandon Brandon Ingram talk. I saw somebody said he's basically Brandon Ingram already. <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to give him that much credit already, but he did look good. He, he was taking some shots off the bounce tonight. I really like that. I don't like to see the one for seven from three, but uh ton of positives. Candace, I'm going to bounce it to you first here. You pick out your biggest positive from this game and run with it.
2: Uh, biggest positive, I think, was uh David Roddy who who made a strong showing. I think he was one of the best players on the court, particularly in that first half when really the whole team was struggling. I think as a unit, I think the only thing was sort of David Roddy and Zaire were the two that was sort of carrying the load uh, during that during that difficult first half, and Zaire was struggling themselves. So uh, David Roddy, after being having the worst plus minus on the team, came out was a plus nine um, on the court. He had a uh, he got four five rebounds, five rebounds, uh, one assist, and uh, he was uh, shot the ball a whole lot better after struggling offensively in that first game. He was 6 from 10 uh, from the field. He was over 2 for 3. I think he'll find that. I think he's just kind of getting his rhythm. But most importantly, I think more than just the stats, he just looked more comfortable in the game. You just want to see him sort of find his rhythm. You could see him sort of adapting to the pace. You could see him Know, kind of knowing where he should be, knowing his role, not being as lost. He, I think he showed some defensive flashes, which I was happy to see. And he was just aggressive. Just, I think he, you could just see an intentional decision from him to just turn, the, to turn this game around and just have a completely different game than he had before. And uh, I think, he, like I said, he, he carried that team in that first half. So it was great to see from him. And he he really finished strong in the second half, too. So uh, just most complete performance, I think, I, I'd give that to him.
1: Man, for for me, I think it was Kennedy Chandler. Um, uh, and, and David kind of touched on one of the points I was going to bring up earlier. That that right hand layup, um, uh, just beautiful. Like I said, very Job ja Morant esque They kind of switched roles up. Um, uh, in the first half, it was more Zaire on the ball and Kennedy off the ball. Um, uh, they switched it up in the second half, and I think both of those guys kind of played better. Um, uh, in, in their second role, uh, with with Zaire playing off the ball and Kennedy Chandler playing on the ball. Um, the, the offense looked really, really good uh, with, with Kennedy Chandler out there running. One thing I had noticed early in the first half and in the first in, in game one, uh, it seemed like Kennedy was kind of hesitant to shoot the three. Uh, but he looked confident shooting it tonight, went two or four, looked good, knocking him down. Because uh, there, were, there were several times in the first half tonight in game one where he was wide open and he seemed hesitant to shoot it. He'd pass it up and kind of drive. There was one move in the first half, and I tweeted about it, where he made a beautiful move. He ended up getting the shot block, he didn't finish it. Uh, but he had a nice pump fake from the perimeter and quickly just boom, zoomed to the rim um, and, and showed some hang time, showed that athleticism off. He ended up getting a shot blocked. came in there for Taco or Bruno that blocked the shot, but it was really good move. I mean, he showed off that athleticism. I mean, he was just hanging in the air, uh, just like you kind of see from Java Redman. man. He had some hops. I think 40, 45-inch vertical is high as the combine. Um, I mean, he. I, I'm really excited about him. I think he's a guy that's, going to surprise some people. I, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he finds his way into rotation at some point this year. You, you definitely think with kind of what we've seen with Ja, he's going to miss some games at, at times. Uh, so I think that's going to be an opportunity. And we even talked about uh, last night that they can play some of these guys together. So I think Kenny Chandler, outside of LaRavia, might be the guy that can, can find his way into the rotation. Uh, we'll see what happens with Roddy. I still have some questions with him. I think that he might be a guy – I know it's hard to make any determinations from summer league, but I think with him being so much of a question of what position he plays and and, and stuff like that, I think that, that he might be a guy that, outside of Vince Williams, that kind of spends the most time in South Haven. I don't think, I don't think we're going to see Ravier in South Haven at all. I think Kennedy might be there at some point, but I also think he's going to spend a lot of time up with the Grizzlies uh, because I think he just brings a lot of things. I think you saw what he does with the defensive end. And I mean, he's just confident out there. Uh, I mean, he looks like a guy that belongs, and I, I really like what I saw out of him night, But again, I was a big believer in him coming in. He hasn't done anything to change my mind. Matter of fact, I think I even I'm even more confident now at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah. think I'm fine with Chandler being on the opening day roster and not ever seeing a minute in South Haven. I, I think that he can come in and he can can produce day one. I don't think he's going to have like an extensive role, but you know, like that. 18, you know, 15 to 18 minutes off of the bench, I think that he can be effective. And with what he's showing, there's no doubt in my mind, you know, Candace asked us about that on a previous episode. Do we think we could see him play on the floor with Tyus and Ja? And there's no doubt in my mind now, even before then, I was like, yeah, I think he can do it. But I, seeing what he was able to do tonight when he was playing off the ball with Zaire, I, I'm confident in it. And I think that He's probably had the best showing so far for the rookies.
2: One of the things that's interesting to me about Chandler uh, is he seems to play some of his best ball in the fourth. He seems to have sort of just this year, just the, this knack for just kind of turn it on when it when it matters most. And I see well, we'll watch and see if that trend continues. But that's something that's that's just interesting, at least that I've observed in the past couple of games where he's just kind of got that, you know, Clutch. I'm not sure. Clutch gene is the is sort of the right term. Is he's made the he made the clutch the game winning steal before, but just that different gear that he's got. That sort of reminds me of you know job we, we talk about four quarter job How he can just go on in another direction. And so that's been good to see as well. Yeah,
0: him being able to create his own shot is going to be huge. And yeah. that's something. You know, we, we talked about half court offense from the Grizzlies, and, and I think that this gives them somebody else. Uh, he, he had a great move. He didn't – I think he got fouled. Um, he was trying to pass the ball, ended up getting fouled. But he got past his defender, and I don't think – I think he was looking to pass the ball, so he didn't really see how much space he created there. But it, it was like a, a hezy and then a chain. Like, he, he shifted gears very quickly and created separation from that defender, and he could have got to the rim for a layup, but he ended up getting fouled trying to pass the ball. And I just – I love everything that I'm seeing from him. You know, I know it's early. We don't know what LaRavia or Roddy is going to look like moving forward in the Vegas Summer League. But uh, we'll move on to LaRavia from there. And, Isaac, I'll toss it to you here in just a second. If you've got anything else on Chandler, you can throw it in there. But LaRavia, I don't know if you would call it struggle, but he was 0 for 3 from 3 tonight. So, is the sky falling? Is Arabia toasted Climbing and miss with him?
1: No, man, but I think it, it it shows that a lot of people felt like, oh, man, well, he knocked out all these shots down in, in game one, that he's going to be awesome. There's no questions about him. And I think tonight with with the rookie class kind of showed outside of Chandler because I think Chandler played fantastic, and even Rodney played well, but I think it, it showed that these guys are not going to be perfect. And for some reason, there are people out there that feel like that. Like they, they're just – you lose Melton, you lose Kyle, you're just going to plug these guys in they're going to be just as good. A lot of people feel like even better, like they've upgraded. And, and I think it shows tonight that these guys, they're still going to be question marks. They're going to be ups and downs with these guys. They're not going to be perfect. Cause I mean, you're talking about a summer league level competition. It's going to be different. Some people are even talking about the Raven starting night one um, game one. And, and, and I think tonight shows that, that might, you might need to pump the brakes on that. Uh, but that's, and that's been my point the whole time. Like, I just I still feel like they need to go out and fill a couple of holes. I think power forward and backup shooting guard are still two things that I feel like they need to address uh, before the season starts. Because again, I mean these rookies are fine. Like I, I like Aravyi, I like Roddy, definitely like Kenny Chandler. What I've seen from him, and you keep go deeper than that. Vince Williams has showed some great things. Kenny Lofton has showed some good things. But I think when you're a team that that wants to be a contender and contend at the top of the Western Conference. When you bring in guys at the bottom of the first round, those are not guys that you should be going into the season in a position where you have to lean on those guys. It should be more of a luxury, in my opinion, when when you bring it in. When you're not talking about lottery picks, these shouldn't be guys where you say, man, I'm bringing this guy in and we need him to be this. Like, it should be a situation where if a guy goes down, he can fill in and he might be a good player. But you don't want these guys, day one, on on a really good team to – have to do certain things in order for you to be successful, and I think tonight showed that they, they might just not be plug and play. Um, I think La Ravia showed something like a night tonight. He did knock down a three pointer, struggled shooting the basketball, still did some good things. He had three steals, um, like I said, did some things on the defensive end. But I think the question still with him is: Is he going to be a three? Is he going to be a four? And who's he going to be at a guard uh, on a night in a night out basis? And I don't think you're going to find a lot those questions answered in summer league. Uh, but again, man, they're in a position right now, if they don't go out and do anything else, they might not have any choice. I mean, sink or swim game one. I mean again, man, that's just not the position that I would like to be in. A lot of people seem to be okay with that. And I, I mean it's just not the situation. My guy Joe Mullinex, former site manager for G B B, put out a tweet today and he kind of echoed my sentiments. It's just not how a contending team you would think would conduct themselves. I mean and I mean it's a that seems to be a minority opinion and, and we'll see what happens. But again, I'm a, I'm a fan of LaRabia. I just don't want this team to be in a position where they need him to be really, really good game one. Cause I think it's unfair for even for him. Like you shouldn't put him in that position because I think he's still learning. And again, he's not a lottery pick. He's not a guy that's expected to necessarily come in and do that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but that's, that's just kind of where I am on that. Yeah, I think it might, I think,
2: it's more than likely to look sort of similar to what Zaire looked like before. Where I mean, not in play, but just in terms of, you know, Zaire got those reps and they put they they definitely put them out there. It's a little more challenging this time because it's it was the focus was on Zaire getting reps and maybe not as much. Obviously, Salty Adama. And this time, it's it's four rookies you're trying to work into the rotation. It's a little bit more diff- difficult, but I think uh, Laravia will be the one to kind of take. I think I can see them going that direction with him more than anybody else um, just because of where they picked him and, and everything else. And just the, the spot that's need. you know, that's a, a spot of need. So it, that's what they might be deciding to go with. Um, it does leave me with the questions, but we have seen it work out throughout the season. In Zaire's case, he looked terrible to start the season and he sort of worked through it. I think Ravi will have a higher floor than that at least, but um, there definitely be some growing pains if that's what they decide to do
0: did you guys see the report Mark Stein uh, was talking about he 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 was just talking about the NBA in general but he said he felt like the Grizzlies are a team to watch out to make a splash type move like what the Timberwolves did and that did you guys see that report
1: yeah, yeah I, I saw didn't... yeah I, I saw it Mark Stein uh, said that but then he kind of went back on it and, and, and said that but he doesn't really expect it and I think I agree I don't really expect it either. I think they said other teams are kind of saying that. And I think the reason why they're saying that, because they look at the draft picks and, and some of the young guys and tradable assets, Danny Green contract, and different things they can move around to, to make that kind of move. But I I and, and I put out a tweet today a kind of a thread of where and we haven't even talked about Jitty. Uh Jiddy signing a new contract today, three years, 19 million. And I've come to the conclusion, and I think Once you come to this conclusion, I think it'll make you feel better about not necessarily better, but you'll understand the lack of moves they made. I think the direction that they're going, um, they're pretty much, I don't think they're going to do a lot outside of what their current roster is. Like they're they're not going to do a lot of free agency. They're not going to make a lot of trades to bring in significant salary. I think they're in a, a spot where, they're going to, for better or worse, they're going to double down on Ja, Jared, and Bain. Um, And they're going to rotate out these veteran guys and attempt to replace them with guys on rookie contracts and hope they can get that same production. And if these guys hit, those are the guys they'll keep around and they'll eventually pay them. And the ones that they don't hit on, they'll rotate them out and, and draft new guys and kind of start the process over again. And I think that's kind of what they're doing I don't necessarily agree with it because it might work, uh, but my fear is what's going to end up happening is you, you're you not going to bring anybody else in and if this core ends up not being good enough to win a championship, you're going to find yourself in a spot where you're stuck. You're going to be in between like you kind of saw with the grid and grind area where they didn't have any money, they didn't really have a lot of faceability and you kind of are what you are. You're a good team, but you're not good enough to win a championship and that's the Danger in building that way, but I, from the moves that they made and lack of moves they made this summer, I've kind of figuring out that that's what they're doing, and it's not the way that I would do it because I feel like, and and I'm I'm afraid that they might be outsmarting themselves, uh, because I feel like they're feel like that they can just draft guys and replace veterans, and it's going to work out every time because they drafted well in the past, and sometimes you're going to miss on some of these guys. And, and when you do, that's a, that's going to be a big miss if you operate in the way that I think they are. And that's kind of the way that I think they're going. Again, it might work out. Maybe this core is, and you can and build around the bench on these young, cheap contracts and, and, and rookie players, and it might work out and you might win a championship. But I, I just feel like with the extensions that they have coming up in, in the next couple of years, I feel like they should have been a bit more aggressive this summer uh, because I feel like they're kind of missing that window. And that window is going to close and you're gonna be locked into the three guys that we have, and the rookies and, and the cheap contracts that you have around. You. And I think that's where where we are. We'll we'll see how it plays out, but it's a it's a risky proposition because I think again you get yeah. stuck, and then you're gonna be a good team, and you're not gonna have premium draft picks
2: because you're a good team every year, and it's gonna to get tough.
0: Did, so did this, this model. You- there's
2: a quick question for for you go David just to, just to clarify you mean long term right so you're not just talking about this this offseason you're talking no, about I think, just I, yeah. their strategy for the next few years moving forward
1: yeah I don't think okay. they're going to spend a lot of money to around those three guys I, I, that, that's my theory right now like I feel like they're going to like you said just like we saw this summer they're going to try to the veterans that that are already on this roster the ones that they feel like are not long term pieces they're going to try to rotate them out like they did Got They moved Melton, didn't resign Kyle Anderson, and they replaced them with guys on a rookie contract. And I think that's what you're going to continue to see. If LaRavia and Rodney and these guys hit, they'll keep them. And then when it's time for them to pay them, they'll pay them. But if, they, if they, the guys that they miss on, they're going to rotate them out and try to redraft guys to kind of replace them. And they're just going to keep repeating that process and bank on Ja Bain Jerry, and Jerry and whoever those guys they have around them are enough. I, I don't feel like they're going to spend a lot of money Outside of that, or bring in via trade, bring in significant money. That that's my theory. We'll see, but that's kind of what I'm starting to believe that they're doing, and that's how they're they're viewing. This.
0: So the this model that you're discussing right here is very similar to what the Warriors done, and they're like you know they, they just won a championship. They I think Otto Porter Jr. was really the only guy that they signed. As a, you know, he like he played a big role for them. But, you know, you talk about uh, Gary Payton, Jordan Poole, you know, you had your core of Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Yeah. And then you had these young, cheap contract guys. So it could work. They were able to produce. So it can be successful. You just have to be smart about it. You have to, you know, that Jitty contract, I'm completely fine with it. That's a tradable contract. That's something, you know, and, and even if he, does not, you know, like we, we know what Jitty is, right? Like we, we don't expect him to blossom or at least I don't expect him to blossom into some sort of all-star. He's just kind of a, a gritty role player that is going to be a regular season rotation guy and he's going to play winning basketball whenever he's out there. But they, it's not like they extremely overpaid for him. I don't think they overpaid for him at all for what he's able to bring to the floor. And, and it may be something... You know, we we're talking about like getting that back up too. It, it may just be jitty, man. And maybe I mean, that, that
1: that that is what it is. That's what this deal yeah. is about. Like, there's no question. I don't have any problem with the contract. Like a lot of people, like some of these same people that said that they trust the front office blindly, everything they do is great. They were complaining about this contract today, and I was like, that's kind of funny that now I don't have a problem with what the front office doing, and now you do. But I don't have any problem with it at all. I think he's earned this contract. I think like you said he comes in does his job and with the cap keep uh, continuing to go up six million dollars is not a lot of money anymore i mean i know if if people kind of think of that from three or four years ago and it's not the same six years nine three years 19 million is not a lot of money like you're not going to get anything for that on on, on a normal basis other than some strange situation a guy just veteran guy just signing for a team he wants to go to you're not going to get anything for that so i don't have any problem with the contract at all man i'm I'm happy for him again, man, because he's always been that guy. When you talk about next man up, he stepped in and and came in and done his job. So I don't have any problem with that deal.
0: Yeah, th- th- what they what they done in the grit and grind era, they priced themselves out of going out to get guys. They they overpaid, and because it was a small market, they had to overpay to go out and get a guy like Chandler Parsons. Um, you know, Big Spain was Mark like he he was campaigning for them to pay Mike Conley. And then out of nowhere, Mike Conley gets the richest contract in NBA history at the time. Yeah, which is kind they're of still weird. Still, it's still, they're still right. weird to
1: think about when uh, when they they put it out today. Um, that when, I think it, it was I don't know if it was today or sometime when he signed that deal. Might have mm-hmm. been today. Um, that was still kind of weird to think about that Mike Conley at one time had the biggest contract in NBA history. Like, I that that that's still wild to think about. But you knew at the time that the cap was going to go up and it was easily the next contract is going to be bigger and it's going to get bigger and bigger. But that's still wild that he holds the stat that at one time he was the highest-paid player ever. And you're talking about Mike's only a guy who – have been a – one, one-time that. all-star that was an alternate. Uh, yeah. so that, that's kind of wild to think about.
0: Yeah, he, he was not a guy that was going to – or that should have commanded the biggest contract in the league. And so, yeah, you can pay your guys and you can take care of them. But you just have to be smart about who you're paying. John Moran is a star. We know that John Moran is a star. He got paid. We saw what Jaron can bring to the floor. Obviously, we have concerns as fans that they don't have the concerns for the injuries with Jaron. He's had, you know, some some bad luck with that stuff. So, moving forward, if Jaron is unable to stay healthy, he's not going to get another contract. If he's able to stay healthy, he probably does. Because when he's healthy – he is a dominant defensive player and exactly what you need around John ja Morant. So, you know, we see what these guys are doing. You have to, to pay the guys well that deserve to be paid and be very smart about your other contracts in order for this to work. So you don't price yourself out. And, you know, that we have heard Kleiman say that this team is not going to be hindered by the typical small market budget that they're going to pay their guys. He did say that they are doing that, Um, but we'll see how far this goes. I don't know that I'm, I'm fully bought into this is exactly what their plan is going to be. I think if you look at how Milwaukee handled it with Giannis and Chris Middleton, they got to the playoffs, got beat. They go through internal development. They get deeper in the playoffs they get beat, then they go out and they make that move to get that guy like Drew Holiday to push them over the edge. And so the Grizzlies were right there this year, right? Played super tough against Golden State. If the Grizzlies are healthy, maybe the Grizzlies are world champions this year. So we're going to see if this team is healthy, we're going to see what they can do. And if they get to the Western Conference Finals or they get to the finals and they're not able to get over that hump, I think that's when the move comes. If there's going to be a move, that's when it's going to have to come because you can't, if you risk it too early, if, if you go all in too early, well, then all of your money is tied up. And then you're going to have to figure some way, you're going to have to be very smart in the way that you re- rebuild from there. But I, I think that, you know, we've on this show before discussed that we believe that Ja, Jaren, and Desmond Bain are a good enough core to get to the title to to bring this team a championship, it's all about putting the right pieces around.
2: Yeah. So I have, I have a couple of thoughts on the uh on the contract, on the on the contract contract. I, I think I do think it's good value. My only concern there would be if they're paying him to be the direct back. Uh we talked about this yesterday, the direct back of the Desmond Bain. I do think that's I'm really not sure he can get up to that role. Um, I'm just I'm just not sure how that looks And so that that part would concern me. But I think even if, you know, I think it's best if he were to play a similar role that he played last year I think that would still be worth a valuable contract and still be worth the contract extension. So I'm on board with the contract. I have concerns about what they, what this might implicate for his play time, but we'll, we'll ultimately see how that falls. And if he, and maybe he can, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of duty. So maybe he can step up his game to another level, another level. He has improved a lot in his time in the league. So maybe he da- has another level in him. Um, I just personally haven't seen, seen that, but, you know, you never know, and so maybe maybe that works out. But um, back to your theory, Isaac, I sort of lay a, a, a I sort of lay closer where D- David is, where I'm not sure that that's ever that that's their whole concept moving forward in terms of that's what they're gonna do for sure. To me, it might be more, and I'm not saying that it's, it's not, but I, I'm just more open to the fact that there may be a little bit more. I'm not sure it's linear, right? right. So we heard Zach Kleinman say all the time that, you know, building a temperature washer is, is not linear. And to this point, it has been. And maybe this is just one of those times where it's not. I think it could be a combination of a few things and, and as to why they're making the moves that they, that they made this particular offseason. One, I'm not sure that they see a target that they feel like would be the piece to take them over the top. So to to them, and we can identify people who we think might be or who we theoretically might, but the Grizzlies are very uh, analytical, but they also want well-rounded players. And so maybe those players have flaws that they feel like will, you know, seal ultimately be a liability and not help them get over the top. It could also be that they just didn't see that, that, that. Well, I think one thing is I'm not sure that the Grizzlies are getting the same Deals. I think I think the Grizzlies, the deals that they made, were pretty uh fair before. I, maybe it's tougher with him being Executive of the Year. I don't know, but I don't know the trades that have gone uh, got, that have happened recently. They seem to be a bit of an overpay. I mean, I'm not just talking about the Rudy Gobert trade, but just other trades that I've seen. It just seems like one team gets fleeced. It seems a little one sided in a lot of these trades that I've seen, not all of them, but and so maybe it's just hard. You know, maybe the asking price is just too high and climate is not really willing to play that. And he'd rather invest in young players and let those let those players go, or let, let his veterans go for this season until they can learn a little bit more about their core. See the weaknesses, like like David said, close to Milwaukee and then make the big move. Um, I think it might be a mix. I think we might see. Uh, my hope is that this is their only offseason. In, in doing sort of that strategy. And maybe they see some better targets, some better free agent, you know, think people that they think might better uh, help them in the long run next season. And, and then maybe they can try to make some of those moves, but but we'll see. Man, I,
1: I get what y'all are saying, but my question to that is, after, once that those extensions kick in with Josh Jared, and you think you got bane the year after that, how are you making that big move? Like I mean, you you're not gonna have the flexibility to do anything that big. I mean, you can do like this summer. You had a mid level exception. You they still have the Golden State pick, but they're not gonna have a, this huge war chest of assets anymore. And you're not gonna have this clear cap clear cap seat as you have right now. Like, how are you gonna make that big move? Like, I get it, and people have told me that. Oh, well, they're just not ready to go all in yet. But when you got Ja. Boss, be a super max on the on, on on the on the on the books. You got Jerry kicking in. You got to think you got the Max Bain out. How are you gonna go? What are you bringing in? And how are you gonna bring it in? That's my question.
2: A few, right. a few notes. So one, I think it's not to be assumed that the move that they need to make is the one big splash. So that's an assumption. I'm not sure that they feel like that has to be the case it could very well then bring being a variety of moves that helps build the core around them. We're not sure if they have to have a splash move to this point Is I don't think there's enough data, especially because this team couldn't even finish this, this playoff series healthy, unfortunately. So there's still a lot of questions about that there. Two, I think they're sort of rebuilding their assets in a way so they're getting these tradable contracts like CONCHAR like hopefully if these rookies pan out then those may be some valuable concept so they're almost to some extent to me I could see it as them re-upping on some of those assets reinvesting and sort of building up their chest if there was a big move to be made because um, like like David just said the contract the contract is tradable depending on what happens with Tyus Jones and well that may may or may not be tradable debatable but But anyway, I think they're setting themselves up to be in that position again, like a Brandon Clark or, you know, some of these guys hidden play that kind of role. You can do that. Um, I think those are my my main two points. I I just see a little bit of finesse that I think they're trying to position themselves to be able to take either road. Um, I don't think I think they're being cautious about making a move and it being the wrong move so I think they're taking the approach of they'd rather go back to what they know works to build things back up even if it is a step back temporarily but I think they'd rather do that than set themselves up and be locked in to a splash move that's the wrong splash move and then you pretty much have to start from scratch if it doesn't work
1: I mean it's just to, to me and it goes back to my point I think you put yourself in danger of overplaying your hand that's what i'm worried about we'll see how it plays out again i'm not saying that it won't work uh, because david put up a good example golden state kind of went this route and they you saw that they just won a championship so it, it can work i just think there are are risks to it with the, that for you to wait until you have all this money on the books and then try to do something at that point and, and kind of possibly take a step back this year to try to go forward there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to do that we'll, we'll see what happens, and again, I'm. It could it could work out fine. Uh, it could be the like I said. It could be, it could end up going to Golden State route. It's just probably not the route I would go. I think with the season that they had this past season, I think I would have been a bit more aggressive and try to fill in pieces around the court now instead of get getting rid of veterans and kind of replace them with rookies and kind of thin it out this year and maybe making a move next year. I, I'm all in when I'm. If if they were too close to me to kind of go this route, that's just my opinion. Like, like I said, and of course, obviously they don't agree with me, and they're going a different direction. But that's that's how I feel about it. I feel like they were super close and close enough to the point to where it's not time to go back at all. Like you need to be gas pedal at this point, and they've gone a different route. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out.
0: So, so I've got two questions for you. We've kind of ran off the rails from the, the summer league game. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll get back into that, but this is good conversation. My 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 first question is this the moves that we have seen Zach Kleiman make, do you and I and I'm not saying that you've implied this, but would you agree that he has a long term plan in place? and like the the majority of the moves that we've watched him make have been very calculated, and it's more of a chess move and not a checker move. Would you agree with that?
1: yeah I agree
0: the uh, majority agree. I'm not saying yeah. all of them because you and I have both been on record for what we felt like we felt like he kind of fumbled in in this draft, but that that's i I think personally that yeah, they don't have a huge like just build up of assets right now, but they have, they have contracts where you can, you know, you can, they still have the Danny green deal. They may just eat that money, but Steven Adams is going to be a free agent after this season. Dylan Brooks is going to be a free agent. Uh, you got Brandon Clark. Who's going to be coming up. Are you going to extend him? Or are you not going to extend him? That there's a lot of money that is coming off of the books next year. You do have more money coming on with the Jaren extension, with the Jaw max contract and all of that, but the cap is going up. And right now the Grizzlies are operating under the cap. If we see a growth, like if we see a boost from Zaire and you, you already have Bain, you have Jaren, you have Ja. If you see Zaire reach his ceiling, we, we talk about a Brandon Ingram-type ceiling for him, or maybe even higher than that. If you add that to a core of Bane, Ja, and Jaron, what does that do? Like, that team should win a title, theoretically. But, uh, look, I'm getting off of the track. Let me go. I'm going to go back. <laughs> I, w- I want to go back to the, the question that I had for you. Is it possible that they had planned on going all-in this offseason, but the injury to Jaron's foot kind of derailed that plan. So instead of trying to accelerate too fast, if you go all-in right now and you rush Jaron back from this foot injury, this foot injury is very similar to the injury that Zion Williamson had that had him out the entire season last year. So you have to be careful with it. You don't want to rush him back. This is a guy you just paid over $100 million so they're going to be cautious with that. Do you think that that was a possibility? Because he implied, he said, clearly, there was no, like, this is not us reading behind the lines. He said exactly, moving forward, we are going to put ourselves in the best position to win a championship. Is there a chance that the injury to Jaron kind of derailed what the plan would have been this offseason?
1: Yeah, and that press conference has been micro, managed, broke down. That's been a topic of conversation today. And – me being a person who's heard every interview that he's ever done, I don't think there's any question that there was a shift in philosophy. A lot of people are saying that he wasn't saying that, like that he was, wasn't was implying anything that they were going to push forward, that, that he was still saying the same thing he always said, and that's not true at all. If you've listened to his interviews in the past and you listen to that one, there was a clear shift in this everything we do is going to be through the prism of the future, he wasn't saying that anymore. And if you put it in that context, you you know that, that that's not what he was saying. A lot of people are saying, like, I'm over-exaggerating what he said. He was definitely implying that they, more so than they had ever had, was going to go for it a little bit this summer. And that hasn't been the case. They drafted, the guys they drafted, they re-signed ties, which at, at that point I expected going into the offseason. That, that earlier I didn't – I thought it was a possibility that he would get out of here, but I thought – I was pretty confident that they were going to bring him back uh, once we got to the offseason. Uh, and maybe that is. Maybe they decided with, with this Jared injury, this isn't going to be the year to push it uh, because we're not going to rush him back and we're just going to kind of see how this year goes. If Maybe we end up getting a little bit better draft pick than we expect and we'll just let it play out. And maybe that that could be a reason why they decided to go for it. I'm just, like I said, there, there is some money coming out of the books, but I, I'm just concerned that if you wait too long that you're going to find yourself in a position to where you don't have the flexibility to do what you want to do. I mean, I mean we've seen teams do that in the past. Like I said, the good grind Grizzlies did that and not comparing Chris Wallace to Zach Kleiman or anything like that. But but there are times where I feel like you can outsmart yourself. And I feel like this front office is, is done so good. They've been great. And I think a lot of times, sometimes sometimes being great too quickly can end up being an issue because I think they might feel like they're too confident in their plan and they're not. I've always talked about this front office with climate being proactive instead of react, but this offseason season, I kind of feel like they may be too focused, too stuck on their plan that maybe when you see some things happening around you, you need to possibly need to react in a different way. And that they're not willing to do that. Like they're tall vision on this is what we plan on doing. This is how we're going to do it. And no matter what happens around us, we're not going to change. We're not going to veer off this plan at all. And, and that's the, what I feel like is dangerous. I and mean, again, it could it could end up working out. You made a great example with Golden State. They end up winning the championship kind of doing that same thing. But I also, again, just think there's a risk that you could find yourself stuck in the middle if it doesn't work out. Because I still feel like what I said earlier, I, still, I feel like that's more of what they're doing. I think they feel like, with the top three guys that those guys are good enough that they can just fill in rookies that, that they're good enough and drafted that they can hit on enough of these guys or where they can just fill it in. So they don't have to spend a lot of money on their, the support players. Like they could just have three, those top three guys, maybe a couple other guys and you just fill in around those guys and that, that team might be good enough to win a championship. And I think that's how they're operating. they operate. I, I could end up being wrong, but that's how I, what I feel right now. I think that's what they're, they're trying to do um I, I just don't think they're gonna spend a lot of money to go out and make big moves I, I just from from what I've seen this summer because I, I just don't a team that was close as they are to not even use the mid-level exception like I I just feel like I feel like they didn't use it because they just didn't want to use it and, and that's not what they're going to do they're not going to go out and bring in free agents uh, I think there might be a trade because of the tearing injury and you have the The Danny Green contract, they might do something because of that, but I I just don't think their plan is to bring in a lot of free agents. I think they're going to build strictly through the draft, and they're going to rotate those guys in and out. Uh, That's that's how I think they're going to operate, but we'll see.
2: Well, go ahead. you, You might be right. You you might be right, but I also just feel like there's risk to your approach. There's risk to everything. So, I mean, either way, there are potential consequences if they went in and they went on the wrong move this offseason, if they were aggressive and those moves didn't work out. So I feel like they're sti- they are sticking with their convictions. There is some reason to understand, not only with the Jaren injury, but I think with the fact that they got injured in the playoffs. And so there's a question mark about what are their real, we saw some weaknesses, but what are their real, what really prevents them from getting further? I think we had a clear answer about that. After the playoff series with Utah, I'm not sure that their answer is as clear because they didn't get eliminated so much because of their play as much as a variety of circumstances, a lot of which were out of their control, pretty much. So there are just a lot of questions and to be aggressive in an offseason that comes with so many questions, maybe you're right and maybe that's their approach moving forward. But I also feel like it, it might be premature to make an assumption about the entire, how they're going to build moving forward for the next three or four seasons based off of an off season that comes with so many questions and so much uncertainty. It may just be a bit premature. And like I said, you may be right. So I'm not, I'm not acknowledging that that's not a possibility because it is. And you've got some evidence to prove it. But I just wanted to give the other side that, you know, there's just so many question marks. Is this the right time in theory with assets? Timing wise, it makes sense, but circumstantially, I'm not sure that those two things line up.
0: And I, I want to point out what the Atlanta Hawks done, right? So they they see they know that they have Trey Young, they know that he's a star. They go out and they make these moves to bring in these veterans. And and now that team is in disarray because, you know, that they, they Cam Reddish gets upset and he demands a trade, and he's a guy. Well, Reddish was like. 10th overall pick like he, he was a lottery pick and they had a lot of good young talent on that team but they kind of rushed it just to be mediocre yeah that they made the eastern conference finals but for me my goal would not be just playoffs and eastern or western conference finals whatever division like whatever conference you're in it would be to win a title and so there's definitely there's risk both ways. If you go all in too early, you end up like Atlanta, then you're losing like They, they got nothing, dude. They got pocket lint Doritos for Cam Reddish oh. when you know, and he's worth way more than that. So I would hate to see them get a guy that's a valuable piece and then end up donking it away because they went in too early. And, and it and it could very well like you could try to slow play it. And it backfired the other direction where you went too slow and now you don't have the money to pay the guys that you need to pay. But if they, if we see Jaron come back at the end of this season and they make a deep playoff run and they're a piece away, look at the list of guys that are going to be available unrestricted free agents going into the 23 season. You've got Chris Middleton is going to be a free agent. Kyrie Irvin, which, dear Lord, I don't even want to go down that road. Um, Andrew, Andrew Wiggins is a guy that, you know, he, he played a huge role on that Warriors team winning the championship. Um, Al Horford's old as dirt. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. But, you know, maybe he'll still have a little bit of gas in the tank. Nikola Vucevic. Harrison Barnes is a guy that I know Candace doesn't like because he's been in Sacramento too long. But he's won a championship. Miles Turner, Bojan Bogdanovic, Karis Levert. Gary Trent Jr., like if you have a hole in your lineup, you're going to know what it is and what that need is after this season. There's a list of guys that are more than likely going to be available going into that next offseason where you can make that move and they would still have plenty of cap space to do it.
1: But the, the difference, though, that I would mention between the Atlanta Hawks situation when they kind of went in, because I disagree with that wholeheartedly, the Grizzly situation. The Atlanta Hawks weren't weren't anything anywhere close to where the Grizzlies were last year. Like, I I, I argue that the Grizzlies were already in in a situation to where they're a piece of two away of winning the championship because I felt like they could have easily won a championship this year. The Hawks were a bad team. The Grizzlies are not a bad team. I feel like the Hawks did it too early. I don't feel like the, the Grizzlies are in a completely different spot in their maturation process. I feel like they're miles ahead of where Atlanta was when they made those moves. That's the difference for me between that situation and where the Grizzlies are.
2: You, you're right about that. They they are in different situations. I would stay say though that the level of questions and uncertainty about what really would take the Grizzlies out of the playoffs, if anything, is still very much so a question. And so with that in mind, making a move in the in the dark, so to speak, is that is that the best move? Um, but I agree the Atlanta. I'm not gonna say they looked into. It. I mean, they earned. They earned their way to the playoffs, but just their regular season did not go anything close to to that of the caliber that Memphis did.
0: That's fair. I mean, we can. There are other examples. I use them as a recent example, but I, I do agree that they they are in a different spot. But you know, you look at um, what about Philly? Whenever they go and they made the move for Jimmy Butler, and it didn't pan out, that team was in a spot where they were ready to win and they go out and they get that piece, and it wasn't enough for them. And so, you know, like there's there's plenty of examples of teams that have done it the right way and were able to get over the hump, and there's plenty of examples of teams that have done it the wrong way and were not able to get there. Um, so, you, you know, it's they've got to get lucky either way, man. Yeah. It, it takes – you yeah. can have all of the right pieces, but you have to get lucky whenever it comes to the playoff run – All of your players have to stay healthy. Things have to go the right way. And so, like, I'm I'm confident with this roster. I like where this team is. I don't know that they're gonna be as good as what I would like for them to be this season after the showing that we got from them last year. But it's young. We don't know. Maybe Jaron, you know, everything goes great and Jaron comes back early. I know that's an absolute long shot.
1: I hope so. I definitely hope so.
0: That there are a lot of things that could go right. Yeah, no, not I'm not, I'm not yeah, Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying there are some things that could go right that could change where we're at. And, you know, but before last season, I don't, we were not at the spot. I think that you and I kind of predicted um, – I think I was right around 500 and you said about 45 wins and they exceeded expectations. So, you know, th- this it's – it's it's a wait-and-see approach and, and I get where you're coming from with, you know – he definitely changed gears, and, and I've yeah. I've watched people talk about, oh no, he didn't. Yeah, he completely did. Before yeah. that presser, it was yeah. always we're going always. to look through long term through the prism yeah, of long term. Look, it, yeah. it was the same verbiage, the same thing every single time. It was GM talk, very cheap, very like not focused at all. And for the first time ever, that changed to we're going to be putting ourselves in the best position to win it all. That's completely different verbiage. You can try to dress it up and change it and make it something that it's not, but it's different. And so I'm on the same side as you whenever it comes to that, that that was 100% a, a change in the direction that he was going And maybe what we have in mind is not, I mean, obviously what we have in mind is not what he has in mind. So, you know, it's, it's just like this off season has been kind of tough to watch the Jaron injury kind of just piled onto that. But, um, you know, I, I wish that we were not dealing with that and then we would maybe have a better picture of what they would be doing. Cause I just, I can't help but wonder if that's not what kind of changed what they were going to do in this off season.
1: And I was going to say, we're, we're, we're way off track. But one thing that I, I do want to say is, well, why why do people get so upset because you have an opinion of something? Like, I've never, like, I I don't want to, I, I don't understand, like, if you just because you have a question about something, like, when it comes to this front office, like, this fan base has got to the point to where they, you can't question them at all. Like, if you have any question about anything that's going on, you're a label, you're you're a hater. Like, and I don't, I don't, I just, I don't get that mentality. Like it, it is because it's not you saying that this front office, you don't trust them, or anything. You can have questions about something and not be quote unquote hating. And that's what, what it's turned into, which is weird to me. I know this front office has been great. I have 100%. Like I, I trust them in development talent. I trust them with Arabia and Roddy and, and people have labeled me as like, I don't like those guys. I had Arabia in my top 10 for the Grizzlies at 22 and 29, and me and David have both talked about this, it's not who they drafted, it's how they drafted those players and the, and the, the value that they got out of those trades, the management of assets, it's a question. It has nothing to do with LaRavia or Ronnie. Like, they could end up being awesome. Like, I like LaRavia and a lot of things that he can do, I just don't like the way they got him. I mean, and it doesn't have anything to do with them, and so when you say that, people just take that on surface, at face value, and say, oh, well, you don't like LaRavia and Ronnie, which there couldn't, couldn't be any more off-base of anything that I've said, but that's just Kind of where they they've taken it to, but it's just weird to me, man. That just because you have questions or an opinion when you're covering a team and you're in the media, you're su- supposed to have questions. Like it, I it, mean, and it's weird that you can't. Like this front office again has been great, but everything that they could they do is not going to be perfect. Like you said, people are are already talking about Sunday Aldama, and maybe that was a miss. It's still super early, but he has y'all better go stop on. it, stop hey, it. They, hey man, they, miss, they moved. Man. Country, I, yeah, I country, saw the court. They mm-hmm. moved up. They moved up into the first round, man. Gave Did this you man like say Cut the court, man. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm close. Man. I'm close. I got the scissors out. I got. I got the scissors out, man. I ain't
0: cut it yet, but no. <laughs> Y'all rolling on it too. I, 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 I think that this, dream is like,
1: over, man. I think the dream is over, man. Whatever. Yeah. To your
0: question, I think a lot of it. If the people that are having the issues with what you're saying, if they're listening to the show, they get where you're coming from. You cannot, there's no, you can try to explain it. Let right, me on my
1: end, man, for, for just for legit courses. Like it, it's yeah. been crazy to me.
0: It's, you can't pick up the nuances when, when it's on Twitter, you, you can interpret text however you want to. And I can't tell you how many times people have been mad at me because of a message that I sent and they read it like, Oh, well, he's being a jerk. And that's not how it was. You know, like when I sent the message, like, hey, this is a question or whatever. So you can't pick up the nuances of it. Um, You know, and and it's this is new territory, right? Because the Grizzlies have never had a front office that you could fully trust. I know, for me at least, even when the grit and grind teams were having success, I never trusted Chris Wallace. No, they they looked at
1: all of that, to be honest. Like, Like, all of that stuff.
0: They, they they make the move, they get Zebo, they were like the fit for the city was perfect for him.
1: I mean, Tony Allen was a guy that was just yeah. on the outs. They started what even playing I the starting of Holland was starting Xavier Henry over him. Like they wouldn't even even plan. Like they just it's yeah. weird when you think back on how all that came together. Mike Conley took about six years before he really Came into his own. I mean, they just lucked in all that z y'all cut another guy that was the outcast. court, and
0: Santi Aldama after one year and two summer league games.
1: Saudi
2: Obama, <laughs> man, it's almost it. over. You're
0: on, you're on, record for that, Candace. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am bringing a risk. I will, I will. I ain't, eat cut, I ain't cut it.
2: I, I, I haven't cut eat, it. Grow, I will eat crow, but I'm going on record. The court. Couple is more
1: games. Couple, couple more games like tonight, man. I'm gonna go ahead and cut it though. I'm gonna
2: let you know. Um, oh, I, I, just, I just, I I know when to cut my losses. I'm done. <laughs>
0: Listen, we'll, we'll wrap it up. I think we're right about the hour mark. We we started to talk about the summer
2: league game. We got a little yeah. bit of that in there. <laughs> I think we went. We, I think we went through all of the key players. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, we, I we it, did. We did. We wasn't a lot about, to talk
1: about from the night, man. That wasn't the the prettiest I mean, game. To kind of kind of break down. What a lot you to can talk about. about some waters. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Other than that, sure shout,
1: shout out. to them for not quitting, though, man. They came back yeah. and won because they were getting yeah. dominated in that game, man. They. Turned it on, man. Tremont Warner, shout-out to him. I mean, he had a big game, man. Had this steal that baited into the foul. He kind of got the momentum, man. He was locking up on D, man, and he he kind of started that charge, man, and they finished it going away. Uh, so, shout-out to them for that. But outside of that, man, it's was well, some pretty ugly basketball out there tonight, man. Bad perimeter defense by the Grizzlies. is terrible early in that game, man. I don't even know what, what was going on out there, man. But they got the win. Got that dove. So, two and one. Utah, let's move on to Vegas.
0: And they play again tomorrow night, right? We got, uh, No, Saturday. Remember? No, they're off tomorrow. Okay. Travel, travel tomorrow. Travel day to Vegas Saturday and then Saturday. Night. Let's see, who do they play Saturday? It is – man, there's, I can't wait. There's so many games on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, they play the Clippers.
1: Was it eight, 8 o'clock?
0: 8.30. 8.30? 830? You know, 8.30 tip for us. They play the Clippers. Um, the
1: Clippers are a bad one, so that, that they don't have a lot on that team. So that should be one. They, should win. They, have, they have a pretty easy schedule. They play Brooklyn. Brooklyn has a really good team.
0: Uh, Brandon Boston Johnson. Brandon yeah, Boston's Cam. gonna be playing on that uh on but that yeah he, team. yeah,
1: he might he might put up 30 on him. But outside my, of it,
0: my guy Jay Scrub better be out there too, I hope, man. <laughs> I love him Oh no, I
1: haven't let's see. I hope he's out there. Uh, that was that was yeah. my guy too. Uh oh. c- coming out of coming out of Louisville area. Yeah, he bounced around a lot, man. But he was super talented in high school, man. He was just killing dudes out there. So i am like you, man. I always pull it for him. Big fan of him. Hope he kind of hangs on and, and has a career uh because he can definitely definitely fill it up if he gets the opportunity
0: yep so final score of the game I don't even know if I mentioned that it was 95 84 Grizzlies they in Salt Lake City summer League two and one tie I guess technically a tie for first they had three teams that finished two and one so heading to uh, Vegas Saturday to play the Clippers we appreciate you guys you can get the show on Twitter at ethos Grizzlies I'm at NBA D will 21.
2: All right. You can find me on Twitter at CandaceH901. Candace H901. Isaac, take us out.
1: Yeah, man. Grizzlies off tomorrow. I'll take on the Clippers moving on to Vegas, where that's where the real action starts. Uh on, on Saturday night, man. And that's hopefully they have a good showing out there. Man, bring hang another banner. Uh Grizzlies won a championship a few years ago. Man, we're trying to bring, bring another Las Vegas Summer League championship back to the M, uh, led by Zarya Williams. So hopefully that's in the cards, but you can find me on Spain, baby. <laughs> yeah, I had that parade down, Bill, man. Summer league championship, <laughs> and then have another one uh, in uh, in May of I in mean, June uh, of next year. So, yeah, uh, we'll see what something something Al and see what he does to redeem himself because he got a lot of redeeming to do after what we saw in in Utah. <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. That's I S. AAC underscore underscore NBA. Thanks for everybody for tuning in to the podcast. We'll definitely be back breaking down all of some of these So make sure you keep it locked to to Ethos Ecos. for David, I've been Isaac Simpson. And next time, we're gone. And
0: that will conclude our Sports Epo's presentation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile